0: If you have it, say I have it. I have it. If you're looking, still looking, say I need more time. All right, Hallelujah. Matthew 28. Thank you, Jesus. Tonight, uh, tonight we're going to be coming to a close on our third uh, summit. Uh, with dealing with evangelism. And, uh, I think we're, we're rolling right along here. Just really want to lay some things down that will rest inside of our heart and our bosom so that we can be sensitized about what's important concerning the body of Christ. Amen. And I love what God's doing. I have just been hearing some things that are just, uh, just encouraging my heart, just confirming things about the timing of everything that we're doing. Uh, it's fitting right into the schedules and lives of many of us now, right where we are, uh, either at home or in, on the job or just in our thought processes. It's just right on time. So I thank God for that. Amen. That it is fruitful. It is fruitful. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you that we've been privileged to be able to come to your house tonight to sit under your word so that we can hear Uh, your wisdom on matters to hear your will on matters to hear. Oh God, your thoughts concerning matter and hear your plans and instructions. And so as we're here tonight, we are poised and we're ready. We're in a place of expectation. Oh God, Uh, uh, sitting on the edge of our seat and we're lunging forward and stretching our neck. Oh God, so that we can receive everything that falls from your mouth. And we thank you for the privilege to do so because we know that there are other places and other countries don't, that do not have the freedom of hearing your word. They have to do it sometimes in secret. Uh, but, Father, thank you for the freedom to be able to come into a public place and to hear your word. Yet we're praying for our brothers and sisters who desire to have your word who just can't get to it, God. We pray that there is an open door that you'll allow to take place to hear your word in Jesus' name. So now we declare that none of the incorruptible seed of your word will fall by the wayside and none will fall into stony or thorny ground, but it will fall into good ground and produce a great harvest. We do give your name praise, O God, for all that will be accomplished in these next few moments. In the name of Jesus. So we thank you for the healings. We thank you for the miracles that will take place. We thank you for wisdom and knowledge that will come forth, O God. We thank you right now for strategy, O God, to navigate our issues. We thank you for it right now. And for strength that will come to our spirit man. And we give you praise right now for great victory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a good praise as you are, amen, taking your seat. Go ahead, take your seat. Go ahead, take your seat. Amen. Hallelujah! Glad to see you tonight, Good to see you. All right. Matthew twenty-eight, <clears throat> verses eighteen through twenty, and it reads from the King James Version. I know I had you to sit, and that's fine. I want to. I want to kind of go this route tonight. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Are you there? Then he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. Amen. It says it like this, if I can pull it up real quickly, in the uh, New International Version. It says it like this there in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them excuse me and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age as we have been uh, in this lesson on evangelism the evangelism summit uh we have um, established that uh, that the purpose that we're really dealing with in this lesson is that we turn the uh turn our attention if you will uh turn the the attention of the church outside of the four walls so that's the purpose of this to really get us to begin to think in terms of of the need of those who are outside of these four walls we uh established that purposely we come into the house of the lord of course for fellowship but we also come in to be instructed to hear from the lord to be inspired to be empowered so that once we leave this place we can leave with power with instructions with strategy to go and win the lost amen second peter chapter three uh we found out that uh that uh, it is not the will of god that any should be lost that any should perish Perish. In fact, God is not slack concerning his promise as some men count a slackness, but his long suffering to us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So that is God's will that 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 the lost would be saved, that no one would perish. Amen. One of the things that, that is so key, um, I didn't mean this, but let's go ahead and chase this for a while. Follow me over there to uh, Ephesians chapter four. I like, I like it when the Holy Ghost interrupts things. Go to Ephesians chapter four. <clears throat> and you see there in Ephesians chapter four, starting there at verse number uh, 11, you will see that Jesus gives gifts to the body. He gives gifts to the body. And this time the gifts that he's speaking of are not, are not uh, grace gifts, they are not, uh, chorus types of giftings, uh, as it, as it were, but he, uh, he's giving gifts who are actual people. So he's calling men, uh, if you will, gifts. So it's not just grace giftings or endowments, if you will, but it is also people. People are identified as gifts. And so there is the mentioning, Jesus mentions here, <clears throat> that he has given to the church five offices or five gifts. And he says there in verse number 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. You all see that there verse 12 for the perfecting or for the maturing of the saints, <clears throat> for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so, um, as, Jesus has given to the church uh, these gifts these fivefold ministry gifts we understand that he gives the gives them to the church so that the church can be matured that we can uh, be developed we can be equipped equipped for what matured for what for the work of the ministry so that we can be sent out and do the work of the ministry and which will cause the, number 3 the body to be edified amen cause the body to grow So, with that in mind, the Lord uses these giftings. Now, remember now, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all will come to what? Repentance. And so now, we see here that gifts are given to the church, to mature the church, to do the work of the ministry, so that the body can be edified, built up. But if perishing seems to be... An and, and object uh, on the mind of God that people are perishing, we find, and just kind of go there and write it down, in, uh, in uh, mm-hmm, Proverbs 29 and 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people do what? Perish. And see, perish keeps popping up here. And so now, if we're going to avoid perishing then according to Proverbs, there has to be some prophetic vision, some prophetic eye. Because there's one translation that says that where there is no prophetic vision, the people perish. So there has to be a prophetic vision. The Amplified says it like this, where there is no redemptive revelation, the people perish. So there has to be an ability now to see According to the message translation, if you can't, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. So there has to be this ability to see what God is doing. We have to be able to see what God is doing, because when people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves or they perish. You know what I mean? They, They perish, throw off restraint. There's chaos, no boundaries. You know what I mean? there are no boundaries anything goes and that's the kind of world that we're living in right now we're living in a world where come on no restraints there are no restraints people are doing what they want to do it's like it's like the establishment of a lot of the laws that the that our government is enforcing uh, it, it is actually breaking the moral law of God, but yet establishing this world moral law. Because, you know, we can t- talk in terms of ethics, moral ethics, but it's all dependent on who's the source. That's really giving to us the standard of ethics. Y'all with me? You can look in the book, the Roberts Rules a uh, book of, of of rules you can look in that and it'll give you ethical practices and how to have business meetings and things of that nature but it's all based upon the source that you're looking at that determines what the the ethical uh, boundaries and guidelines and how we do things well our governments changing and changing and changing amen god when he established marriage he defined it from the beginning between a male and a female Okay, but now we've gotten so smart. Uh, I'm sorry. We've gotten so uh, intelligent. I'm trying to find the words. We're, we're <laughs> we've gotten so whatever. Until we're redefining and now we're challenging what the author. Come on, the creator has established. Now, y'all know this is the truth. If you want to know the most about and I'm, you can help me with this. Okay, and then you can tell me. <clears throat> If you want to know the most about a particular automobile, the best thing to do is go to the manufacturer. The manufacturer is the one who made it. You know what I mean? You can have others who know how to work on them, but the manufacturer can tell you the best and, and, you know, best information about it because they're the ones who made it. Right? So now God is the one who established and made marriage. Right? But then, of course, we have... We're in this process now. Our government is redefining what marriage is. We're redefining what marriage is. And in the process of that now, then then all these things are, you know, these these things, God's standard of morality is being broken. So now our world is chaotic. It's, our world is living outside of how God has established it. So now, it takes a prophetic eye. It takes a prophetic vision to come forth to reestablish what God wants. Amen. So, <clears throat> we, we're the ones, the church really has the answer. We have the answer. The body of Christ has the answer. And because we have the, we have the answer, we must make sure... That we give the answer. How do we do that? We gotta go out. We have to declare this good news. Okay, y'all with me? We gotta declare this good news. Now, as we're looking back here at Matthew 28, go back there real quickly. Jesus says now, he says to them in verse 19, go ye therefore, let me go ahead and pull it back up, Matthew 28. He says to them now, verse 19, go, go ye therefore and teach all nations or make disciples of all men. That's our responsibility to bring people back into a certain discipline, a way of living, not just a, a way, but the right way of living. What is that? John gives us an answer in, in, in the gospel of John. He gives us an answer. They believe around there in chapter number 14. Jesus said, I am the way. The truth and the life. No man comes to the father except by me. So with that in mind, we know that the discipline that we are instructed to bring people into is the discipline or the way of Jesus Christ. Through salvation. Now. Oh, indulge me. Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11. We looked at this before a few weeks back, but well, let's pull it back up since we're coming down the stretch, the home stretch. Now, verse 30 in Proverbs 11, it says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is what? Wise. Wise. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. So now we have to go and understand now we have to be in the soul winning business. We have to be in the soul winning business. He that winneth souls is wise. So now if we're going to be in the soul winning business, then the wisdom of God must be upon us. Okay, The wisdom of God must be upon us. Y'all have to keep following me now. The wisdom of God must be upon us. We learn a principle about wisdom in Matthew 25. You don't have to go there. But in Matthew 25, when it gives us the story of the, the virgins, the ten virgins, of which five were wise and five were foolish. The key to understanding <coughs> wisdom is through this analogy or this example of the five wise and the five uh, uh, foolish because in understanding what it means to be foolish is to know that a foolish person or one who is a, a fool or to understand foolish or foolishness has to do with the inability to, to have foresight. The inability of foresight. A foolish person does not have foresight. They don't have distant vision. Okay. A foolish person does not have distant vision. The five who were foolish... They had, you know, they had the oil in their lamps, but they didn't have anything extra. In other words, they didn't prepare for the long haul. They had a right now look. They had a present look, hoping that everything would happen now. But they knew not when the bridegroom would come. The five that were wise, they prepared themselves. They were ready. If it's going to take a long while before the bridegroom will come, then they were ready for the long haul. So then the foolish have short vision, but the wise, come on, have distant vision. So now with that in mind, watch this now, with that in mind, then <clears throat> the Bible says he that wins souls is wise. That means that we have this vision. Because I, when, I, when I work on wisdom, I often talk about wisdom is the ability to go higher and to see further. Wisdom is the ability to go higher and to see further. You can see better when you're higher, when you're up higher. If you've ever been in a helicopter or an airplane, It looks different from that view than it does from ground level. So wisdom becomes important for us because it gives us a different type of sight. It gives us different sight. We got to be wise in winning souls. Okay. Got to be wise in winning souls. Now. I'm not sure if I want to do this here, but wisdom is the shortest distance between two points. Wisdom brings about efficiency. Wisdom, the shortest point, the the shortest distance between two points. Instead of through trial and error, trying to figure out how it works. Wisdom allows me to see it in its shortest route. Instead of 40 years going through the wilderness to arrive in the land of Canaan, the land of promise. It really should only take me about 11 or more days. But because of the other things that get in the way, it takes us longer. Y'all just keep following me, okay? Stay in the car, don't get out. So wisdom is important because it gives us, watch this. It gives us skilled judgment. Oh, that's good right there. Oh, man. It gives us skilled judgment because one of the other working definitions that I give for wisdom is the skill of living life. It's skilled judgment. So now when I'm winning a soul or winning the lost, my God, I need the wisdom of God because if I have the wisdom of God, then I can arrive at my destination of soul winning shorter. Come on, shorter, because I can see better and my discernment or my judgment is skilled. I'm skilled in that area. I'm sharp in that area. My earnment is sharp. No, my discernment is sharp. You know what I mean? My judgment, my ability to judge matters. Sharp. That means if, if, if I'm a person of wisdom and I have skilled judgment, that means my ears, I hear stuff. You know what I mean? I hear well. I'm a good listener. And I know when I'm listening, I'm listening so I can hear right. Because you can be talking to someone, but you ain't listening. So my hearing has to be keen if I'm a person of wisdom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll just make it easy for you, James, if you need to ask for it. I can give you a whole dissertation on it, but but he just simply says, if you need to ask for it, (laughs) he'll give it to you. God will give it to you. Amen. And then if you want to be wise, you got to be around wise folk. Amen. 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 Some days I I this is what I This is my practice. Sometimes some days I'll just sit and turn from TBN to the word network. Then I'll turn to the inspirational channel. And all I'm doing is I'm looking for Mike Murdoch. Alright. So you don't have to like him. I, I, I listen to him. I don't look at, you know, some people look at, look at his hair. He done, he done, he done got some work done. Look at his, you know, folks get caught up in all kinds of stuff. I listen to the man when he talk Cause sometimes I feel like wisdom. So I'll just sit and turn. Once he goes off on the word network, then I'll try to catch him on T B N. I can't catch more TV and he'll show up at the camp meeting over there with Cirillo. You know what I mean? He'll be somewhere and I'll just sit and listen to him. I will. I'll just listen to him. I'll listen to him because some things he drops off. I'm like, yeah. And I'll just take my little notes, you know, and just, you know, just listen really. I got, I got one of his books, you know, one of his workbooks. So I, I, I look at the workbook and just, you know, read instead of the workbook because I have found out that wisdom is the principal thing. Amen. It makes life so much easier. My God. It gives you skill in living life. Your judgment. You know what I mean? And so when I listen to men such as himself and Bishop Hilliard and others, when I listen to them share that wisdom, that stuff starts going in my spirit. And then when I have decision-making time, then the wisdom of God will come upon me. Y'all with me? So now, soul winning is important. We have to be wise. Come on, tell somebody got to be wise in winning souls. Hallelujah. Got to be wise. Not only do you have to be wise, can we go to the next point? We have to be relevant. Not only wise, but we also have to be relevant. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I feel good about this lesson tonight. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter 4. Look at verse number 14. Look at what it says. The Hebrew writer says about Jesus. Seeing then. Hebrews 4, 14. Are we there? Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold tightly or fast our profession or confession. 15. 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Do you all see 15? For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. It's telling us now about Jesus that Jesus is relevant. He is relevant because he has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. My point is, he, because what gives him the right now to be relevant is that he has to become me to help me. If he stays in heaven and he never comes down. As a man, he does not know how humanity feels. So when God wraps himself up in flesh, now he walks as son of man. He's not just son of God, but he's son of man. So as son of man now, he now feels me. He now is acquainted with me. He knows what I feel, what I go through. So we don't have a high priest who is oblivious to us, but we have one who is touched by our infirmities. We have one who has been us. So now he has a, he qualifies now to help us because he has been us. To be me, to be you, means to come where I am, which makes, he now, he, he is now relevant. Oh, man. Yeah. Amen. If we're going to win the loss, we've got to be wise, yes. But we have to be relevant, too. Yeah. You have to know, we teach this in, in school, but, and to pastors and, and, and ministers, but you have to know your audience. You have to know who it is that you're communicating with. You got to understand the demographics. You got to know the world that you're living in. Amen. We have to be relevant. Come on, tell somebody we got to be relevant. Amen. Relevant, being relevant helps you to connect. It helps you to be relatable. Relatable. Hallelujah. It helps you to be pertinent. You know what's going on. Amen. So it helps us to be relatable. Now, I'm I'm working this because I'm going somewhere with this. It helps us to be relatable. Now, God is a God of relationship. Come on. You and I have been created for relationship. We were put in the family. Do you know why? (laughs) For relationship purposes. Yeah. And all relationship is, is learning how to relate to one another. It's relating to one another. It's interacting with one another. Amen. It's being able to connect. Talk about being relevant now. Being able to connect. It would make no sense for me to act to to live in the '60s, have a mentality of the '60s, and then try to be relatable in 2013. Y'all would not appreciate me too well. Because I'm not relatable. I can't, when I talk to you, you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm talking from another time. I walked up in here with the fish that saved Pittsburgh outfit on. Some of y'all don't know about that. that. That's the days of Julius Irving when they did the movie. Or if I came in with huggy bears, you know, four or five inch heels on, (laughs) have fish women in in the heel. Y'all wouldn't appreciate me too much. Y'all would something something wrong with pastor. Something wrong with him right now. He's stuck. (laughs) He is stuck in the sadness. He's stuck in it. You know what I mean? Right? If I, if we had an assignment to do and I needed to, to get information out to, to the, to the members and to our partners and I gave you a typewriter, you would look at me like something's wrong. I'm gonna get some more ribbon. (laughs) You know, I'm, I would not be relatable. I would not be relevant. Y'all with me? Amen. See? And, and what we have to do, corporations do this. Businesses do this. They send their execs and their managers away on retreats to be retrained. Retrained. Amen. They bring out things. They show slide presentations. They have all type of examples so that they can retrain they're managers so that they can remain competitive in the market. Because if they're no longer competitive in the market, they're no longer relevant in the market, which means they're no longer needed in the market. How many of y'all remember Bradley's? How many of you know that there are no more Bradley's? I mean, you can go to stop a shop, but Bradley's not next door anymore. Caldo's, that's another one, right? Ames. (laughs) Y'all pull it out. What was that place? Something merchandise? Service Service merchandise. merchandise. Right? Hard to find it. Right? Because you have the the Walmarts and the Kmarts, right? Target. Fifteen years ago, you didn't see dollar stores like you see it now. But what they do, somebody studied the market. They did their homework, did some marketing homework. And based upon the economy, they begin to appeal to the people's needs at the time. And now the best of the best will pull off and we go in the dollar store. Come on, y'all. I know you do. I know you do. I do. Every now and then I'll go in the dollar store. I do. Amen. I'm not a dollar person, but I can go in the dollar store. I won't lose who I am by going in there. Right? Family dollar, right? Amen. Family dollar has helped me to see and read a few times. My point is we must remain relevant. We gotta be relevant. Now, if, if the corporations, the CEOs, if they know how now to train their managers, their presidents and their managers to stay relevant, then we need to do it in the body of Christ. Okay? We cannot be some island to ourselves. We cannot be the untouchables. I used to, at one point in time, I was told that I was too nosy. I was told I was too nosy. Cause I look at everything. I look at every, I do. I look at everything. Before I go into any room, I have looked around the room already. When I go in a grocery store, I look everywhere I can. I don't be just, dis- <laughs> but I look everywhere. I look everywhere. I, I I always know my surroundings. Always. And some of you ladies, you know when you've gone on trips, some of you I've told you. Always know your surroundings. I've told my children coming up, always know your surroundings. Always know where you are. Know where you are. That's right. Always know your surroundings. I think that's important. Okay. Now, we have different styles. I'm I'm, I'm only going to stick here for another five minutes. But there are different styles now that have come out. It may not be your style, but nonetheless, it is a style. You may not wear the mohawk, but mohawks, you know, they, they frequent, you know, our people. You'll see some people with mohawks. Okay? You laugh if you want. They need Jesus, some of them. Some of them already got Jesus. Okay? There is... You know, the, the hair color. There's two, sometimes three colors in, in a hair. I'm not talking about stuff that accent the skin. I'm talking about like green and blue and, you know, and yellow. I mean, come on. Red. Right? That's real. Okay? We have to be real. I don't mean you got to go do your hair like that. But you have to be able to interact. Normally and connect with them. Now how do you do that? Well, you, you have, you gotta, you have to have some type of relationship. I'm not saying you got to be intimate, but I am saying that there has to be a level of relationship. There has to be this lifestyle evangelism. There has to be this lifestyle evangelism. There has to be this lifestyle evangelism. I'm not stuttering. There has to be this lifestyle evangelism where there is interaction. I'm not offended by your hair. I may not like your piercings, but I'm not offended by it. I'm not looking at your piercing. I'm looking at your soul. You don't need for me to tell you to take all that stuff out. You know what I mean? I got to love you. I got to love you with it or without it. See, and that's a challenge for many people. Because we have to get over ourselves and our own personal likes and dislikes. Jesus didn't ask you what you like, but you don't like. Come on. Y'all remember when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house? He was coming through town and Zacchaeus saw him and he ran Ahead, jumped up in the tree. He's a short man. Ran, jumped up in the tree. Tax collector, you know what I mean? Robbing the people, taking advantage of the people. But he ran ahead, jumped up in the tree. And when Jesus was coming by, he saw the man, told the man, come on down. I want to go to your house. Yeah. Went to the man's house who was a known sinner. And all of the, all of the religious folk, they're upset because Jesus goes to the sinner's house. He heals on the Sabbath day. Folk are upset with him. The religious leaders are upset because he heals on the Sabbath. Well, you gonna let, you gonna let the man drown? Die because of the Sabbath? You gonna let the, the horse, the donkey stay in the ditch till tomorrow? See, there are some things that you and I, we, we have to, we have to be able to overcome so we can reach people. Cause there are some folk who are just you know, untouchables, and I don't want us to be untouchable. I'm gonna go ahead and say it because it's public knowledge. <clears throat> Bishop uh, at New Light down there in Houston, Bishop Hilliard, he, you know, he, he shared with us. One year we, you know, we would come for years for different things, and then the next year we saw people in jeans and stuff at service, and he shared with us. He said we had been getting a reputation. That we were bougie. That we're bougie, you know what I mean? And untouchable. Better than every, we think we're better than everyone else. He says, that's not what we think, but that's how we are perceived. Mm -hmm. And instead of letting pride stay there, you know, and, and, uh, forget the people we're going to keep doing no. His heart's desire is to reach the people. Not have the people be standoffish towards them. So then he had to go through a year of training the people. How to be sensitive to their surroundings. So now they 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 now dress casual. They they dress like the people that they're going to win. Now I'm not saying you got to do everything because they don't do everything. I'm just saying that they are more relaxed And they're more approachable now in their presentation because they had to, they had to really get rid of that perception that they're bougie and above everybody. Y'all with me? Amen. Amen. All I'm really talking about, I'm still talking about being relevant. Okay. We have to be relevant. You gotta be able to reach people. Everybody's not going to be like you and like what you like. Amen. Some of you in here married now and you know your spouse ain't like you. And here's what I mean. They have different things. They like different, they like certain things to eat and you don't like to eat it. It's quiet, but I know I'm right. Amen. Everybody's not the same. All right. Y'all still riding with me, right? Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Hang in there. Hang in there. Now, the wisdom of God got to be relevant. Now, let's go. As we're still, I'm winding up this third point and I'm kind of mixing it all in so we can come to a close. As we're talking about bearing witness. Remember last night? Talked about bearing witness. We talked about. Uh, The importance of uh, having evidence, how it anchors now, you know, it anchors what we're declaring, the good news. If we're declaring the good news with our mouth, amen, then if we are bearing witness, there is evidence, which means that out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, everywhere be established. That means that now there is confirmation. There's an anchoring now of our Of what we're declaring. The publishing of the good news. Being a witness. Okay. Go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6. And verse number, let's pick it up around verse number 13 in Galatians 6. And it reads, For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory... Save in the cross. This is Paul talking now. Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Here's what I want. Verse 17. From henceforth, let no man trouble me. Paul says, for I bear... In my body. Come on. The marks of the Lord Jesus. Paul is saying I got proof. Paul says no matter what is being said or what is being done. I have proof. Hallelujah. I have proof. I bear in my Body the marks. He says, I've been branded. I I bear in my body the marks. I have proof. In fact, I am living proof. Paul says. Amen. So now as we're talking about bearing witness, we're really talking about having this, this sense of having evidence. We're talking about being able to testify of uh, being able to have firsthand evidence first firsthand account because the people I said last night that once you and I are born again, we no longer need to see before we believe. But until. We are born again or before we were born again, we needed to see, come on, before we believe. So now understanding that when we're, when we're sharing the gospel, when we're moving forward and declaring and publishing the good news, come on, we're talking about evangelism now, promulgating the gospel, publishing the good news, declaring the good news. We said that good news is supernatural. Amen. Right. And so now what you and I not we should be doing not only is publishing, but we also should bear record or be a witness. Have evidence. Now, all right, pastor. What about this evidence? What, what is evidence? I'll tell you what evidence is. Evidence. Is. Your testimony. It's your Testimony. Run with me to to Joshua. Now, Joshua chapter number 2. Joshua chapter 2. Because many times we think we don't know everything to say when we're sharing our faith with other people or we want to witness. Many times we have this challenge that I don't know what to say. The most powerful witnessing tool that you have is your testimony. Your testimony is the evidence. That is what what that's the marks that you and I bear in our bodies. It is the evidence. My testimony is the evidence and evidence cannot be denied. Okay, you you, you may not want to believe me, but this is my evidence. You may not like it, but here it is. Joshua chapter number 2. Yeah, Can you find me over there, Joshua chapter 2? It says, Joshua chapter 2. Um, look at verse number... Bring me to verse number 9. Now, here's what has happened... In Joshua chapter two, we find that now, Moses has died. Joshua now, Moses' servant, his minister, takes over. He leads the people now into the land of promise, into Canaan. They go across the Jordan. They get there to Gilgal, which is the beginning, the foot of the promise. They get to Gilgal, which means that the reproach have been rolled away. Once they get to Gilgal, Circumcision is implemented again. The covenant reinstated with God again at that time. And now they're preparing now to go in and take the land, take their property, take what God says belongs to them. Well, in taking it now, that means that we have to they have to overcome those who are the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. They have to overcome all of the ites that are there in the land. And so now as they go in Joshua sends, first of all, two spies. First, he sends two spies at the beginning of chapter 2. Sends them over there into Jericho. As they go into Jericho, the Bible says that they, they, they meet up with Rahab. As they meet up with Rahab, Rahab hides them in the house. But them coming into Jericho to spy it out, they didn't come in there as secretly as they thought they would. They had been known, it had been it found, it, they had been found out that two spies came in and it had been known that they came in to spy out the land according to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. That it was known why they were there and they came into Jericho, went to Rahab's house, found out that, that the, it was found out that the spies were at Rahab's house. Then soldiers were sent to the house to get them. Rahab hides them up on the roof, hides them underneath the stalks. So they're laying up on the roof. People come in, soldiers come in looking for them. We know you got them in here, Rahab. She says, no, they did come by, but then they left and they went that way. Now, this is important because you got to understand the sequence of things. Watch what happens. Listen to this. After the men left, after the soldiers left that came looking for uh, uh, the two spies that Joshua sent, she goes back on the roof and she talks to them. Because now she's in a negotiating state here. Bible says in verse nine, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. That's interesting. Take me to the next one. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what ye did. Unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly, verse 11, destroy. Verse 10. Go to 11. And as soon as we had heard these things, look, our hearts did what? Melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now watch this, watch this. Rahab is sharing that information with the two spies. They did not tell her why they were there. But she knows who they are. And then she runs down what she knows about them. Uh-huh. She tells them, watch this. She tells them, I have already, we have We have heard about your God. Uh-huh. We have heard how he brought you out of Egypt. Come on. We've heard that already. Yeah. We have heard how you handled the kings of Amorite. Mm-hmm. We heard. See and all, we heard how God has given you the victory. What is she really saying? She's saying, "I already know your testimony. I already know your testimony. I already know about you already. See, and, and, and my point in sharing this, in fact, go to the last verse in that chapter. It is verse number verse number 30. 24. And they said unto Joshua, this is when Joshua and them got back. When the two spies, when they left and they went back to the camp, they got back to Joshua, this is what they told him. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do think because of us. Now they had not even lifted up their hands in battle yet. Jericho was a walled city. The thickness of the walls were between three to six feet in its thickness. The wall around the city of Jericho. Some would say it was just a walled city. But you got to understand that wall was there to protect them. Think closer. Protect them from what? What they had already heard. They knew God was on his way. They knew the children of Israel were on their way. And so they had shut themselves up behind the wall. They were already in fear of the people of God before they even got there to take over. My only point is this, that your testimony is powerful. Your testimony is the evidence of the reality of God. Your testimony is the facts about God. The testimony, your testimony is the truth. Not the fact, but the truth about God. Hallelujah. When you testify, you always talk about what God has done for you. Amen. We don't get up and testify or test a lie. Okay. When we stand and we we tell tell what God has done, we talk about what God has done. Okay. We don't talk about what we've done. We talk about how God has brought us through, how God has brought us up, how God has brought us over. We talk about how God has delivered us. How many of you were in sin before and God delivered you out of sin? We talk about what God has done. What is the evidence? My life has changed. I don't talk the way I used to talk. I don't live the way I used to live. Come on, come on. I don't do the things I used to do. I point all that back to God. Because my testimony has power. Now watch this. You heard me teach this or preach this in that message, the power of your testimony. But let me say it again. Your testimony, my testimony, is critical to God. You remember the scripture that says that the fields are already white? You know what that means? That means that the Holy Spirit has already prepared the hearts of the people. How can you say that a harvest truly is plenteous? How do you say that unless it is? Okay, let me take it further. The harvest is plenteous before you got there. That you and I had nothing to do with the harvest coming up. The harvest was already there. How do you think the harvest got there, Rod? The harvest got there because of the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hovering. Oh my God. Hovering as he did in the beginning. Over the face of the deep, the Holy Spirit's hovering over the land, over the world. The fields are already white. All we need now are laborers. All we need now is a witness to go out there. All we need now uh, is for those of us who bear the marks in our body. Those of us who have been impacted and changed by the Lord to go out there. All we got to do is show up. We think it's so hard. It ain't that hard. Just show up. Just show up. Holy Ghost is already out there doing this work. All you and I got to do is just show up. I'm making it sound simple because it is as simple as that. You and I, because we've been equipped, we got the power. We got the word. Come on. You ain't going to be the one that's going to do the work. The word's going to do the work. We've in our bodies the marks, which means we have the evidence. We have everything we need. All we got to do is show up. Come on, tell somebody show up. Show up. God needs our testimony. Because just like in Jericho, watch this, before the people of God got there and began to do what they were going to do, the people in Jericho already knew about them. How? Because God had taken the testimony of his people. How he has already brought them out and delivered them. He took it and threw it in Jericho. And it, your testimony is already living out there in the world. Come on. All you and I got to do is show up out there as a witness. Come on, come on, come on. It, don't think people don't know about God. They have heard of the Lord. Now they need a confirming witness to show up. When those two spies showed up the, at Rahab, Rahab knew exactly who they were. And so she cut a deal for her and her family. Those two spies were confirming witnesses. Y'all here? Thank you for being here. So now let me close. Follow me over to John chapter number 8. John chapter 8. Hallelujah. John chapter number 8. In John 8, look there uh at verse number, uh, (laughs) I'll give you the whole account. Go there to verse number one. John 8. Verse number one. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him. And he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. Y'all see that in your Bible? And when they had set her in the midst, the scribes and the Pharisees, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us, that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou this they said, tempting him that they might have to that they might have to accuse him, but Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not, so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself. And said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now, I'm going to stop there. I wanted to go here because I wanted to look at this scenario with this woman to see how, on one hand, how the religious folks dealt with this situation and how Jesus dealt with this situation. Can I talk to the church for a minute? The woman was guilty. They caught the woman in adultery. She was guilty. Would y'all agree? Looking at the scripture. They caught her in adultery. The woman was guilty as charged. The law said based upon what Moses had laid out. The law said that the penalty for this sin is to be stoned. No problem with that either. That's what the law said. Stone her. The Pharisees, religious leaders, they bring this woman to Jesus. They caught her in the very act. Now, did they really catch her? Did they, did they, did they really, really catch her? No, no, they, they didn't catch her. The woman had a practice. Wasn't hard to find out what she was doing. They just went when she was actually engaged, involved, and then they grabbed her. I'm not sure why they didn't bring the man out. Well, the legal part of the law back in the day was harder on women. But I still don't know why they didn't bring the man out. But I tell you this, the woman know the man was really important to this matter because it was really about trying to accuse Jesus it was really about trying to accuse him it wasn't it wasn't so much about the woman being caught in adultery it's just it's just Jesus what do you say about this because they wanted to catch him on something they wanted to, they wanted to catch him breaking the law so they have something on him and so Jesus the bible says when they brought this woman to her that he stooped down He told them, first of all, he who's without sin, cast the first stone. He stooped down after he said that. And he started writing. He who's without sin, cast the first stone. <clears> the <throat> Bible says that when Jesus makes that statement to these religious leaders, that conviction came on them. Conviction hit them. And conviction hit them to the point now, watch this, that nobody could argue with Jesus. I need y'all to hear me. Arguments were over. No more discussion needed to be had. Because it wasn't about catching Jesus anymore. It was about them getting caught. Watch this, y'all. When we go out to share the good news of Jesus Christ, do not be surprised of the enemy trying to bring up your past. Y'all hear? Do not be shocked that you might run into folks who remember you. From your past. Ding, ding, ding. I think I'm hitting on something here. Don't be shocked because people will remember your past. There will be, and now, now let me be more specific now. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. Because the church have missed the message of evangelism. The church is so busy pointing its finger at each other. Trying to prove its righteousness. Until they have disqualified themselves from what the church is really about. Winning the lost. So you're going to run up against. Religious naysayers. Who will bring up your past. Hallelujah. But don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Because as they come to accuse you. As you stay focused at what you're doing. There's a woman. Who's strung out. Come on, y'all. There's a woman who's strung out. She's strung out. She has an issue with her sensuality. There's a woman who's caught out there, y'all, who's selling her body. Can I keep going? There's a fella out there who keeps getting high, abusing women. Come on, stay here. That needs your help. That needs, come on, that needs to hear the good news. See, you don't know about how trapped people really are. Oh, man. Some people want to get out and can't get out. And then you got religious folks trying to stop you from helping folks get rescued out of their situation. Folks are trapped trying to get out of their situation. They're they're stuck, don't know how to stop doing what they're doing. That's all they know. They've been trained in that system. That's all they know about that system. That's That's all they know how to do. Their situations cause them to have to work like that so that they can survive. They get their head bad the way they do because they don't have an answer for the issue in front of them. They look here, here and everywhere and can't find an answer. But if I can just get high right now, I can have an escape from this situation. See, and we point our finger at that and we talk down about that. But people are trapped. Some of you in here tonight, small percentage, but some of you were strung out. Hallelujah. Some of us in here have been strung out on stuff. Some of us were so strung out on lying, we didn't know how to stop lying. Every, we thought we were telling the truth, but we were lying while we were talking. Yeah. People are stuck. And then you got religious folks got something to say because they don't like for the fact that you're down there witnessing at the corner of the state store. They don't call it the state store here. Of the of the, the liquor store. Or whatever they call it here. Pennsylvania we call it the state store. Yeah, that store. Corner store. Package, that's the one I'm looking for. The package store. Hey, Amen. Y'all know what store I'm talking about. Hey, Amen. Folks are stumped, man. But they want to but, but 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 the church, they're gonna talk about us because we want to witness. I told you before, I remember the days when folks will go into the bars and bring folks out of the bars. Oh, for those days to come back. Hallelujah. Y'all hear me? When the religious folks come to you and try to stop you, you keep Going forward. Because the real deal is that they came from somewhere too. And if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, conviction will hit them while they're trying to accuse you. Conviction will hit them and they'll shut their mouth. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't listen to me. Listen to me. And I'm very serious about this because I I, I don't want our church to be a passive church when it comes down to soul winning and evangelism. I don't want us to be passive at all. I want us to be confident about this. Don't worry about your reputation. Amen. If you delivered, come on. If you delivered, don't worry about nothing. Okay. Okay. If you're not delivered yet, we need you to sit in the class a little bit longer so we can help you get delivered. Amen. Amen. So for those who, who, of us who are not delivered, come on, we got to get this thing done, man, because we're delaying what we got to do. Amen. Come on, tell somebody to get through it and get over it because we got work to do. No, no, I'm serious. See, and when you are delivered, you don't have to worry about none of the other crazy stuff, man. You go where you want to go. Amen. Amen. I know y'all don't like that. I know y'all don't like it. I don't like it. Listen, when you're delivered, See, when you're delivered, you go, man. People need the Lord. Just don't go by yourself. Bring somebody with you. You need a witness. Amen. Folks are caught up and trapped up, man. They, need, they We can't sit in the church and just let it happen. Put on your dungarees, man. Put on your jeans and let's, let's hit it. Let's get the pavement, man. Let's go. Let's go, let's go. So y'all don't be shocked if on a Sunday right in the middle of service I said, come on, let's go walk down Weatherfield Ave and let's go walk up Brown Street. Amen. I'm so serious. We did it before. Amen. Because we got to get this out, y'all. We got to get it out. People are hurting people are going through. I don't want to be this church. I don't want to be this church that's untouchable. That we think we were all of this. Man, let's get out there. I have the sense in me that if we just go out there and start loving the people, that the people would come. I have that sense. Amen. So can we do that, y'all? Y'all ready to take it to the next level? Do y'all care about people like that? Okay. Let me say this because I was talking to my son about something we were talking. But let me just say this. Let me drop this real quickly. Now, one of the things, <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to say this and we're going to be done here. When Jesus was dealing with that woman at the well, remember that? The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. When he was dealing with her over in John chapter 4, when he was ministering to her, <sighs> One of the things that Jesus was able to do to win this woman, to convince this woman, was he operated in the word of knowledge. He asked the woman, because she had an issue, see, he asked the woman to bring her husband. She said, I don't have one. She said, Jesus said, yeah, you're right. You've had five. The one you're with now is not yours. Now, how he how could he know that? Ex- except the Lord gave it to him. Now, I bring this to the table because when you're filled with the spirit of God, and we're dealing with what I shared tonight concerning wisdom and concerning being relevant, The Holy Spirit knows how to reveal to you things that you need when you're witnessing. And you shall receive power. Come on, one and eight acts. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. God knows how to give you spiritual ability, spiritual power. He knows how to give us what we need to be an effective witness. And see, when you are, you and I are born again and we're spirit filled, the Holy Spirit now, as he wills, has the right now to give you what he wants you to have to minister effectively. Y'all with me? The moment Jesus told that woman about her situation from the past, she said, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Well, you got that right. In other other words, this thing is not just something from the earth here. This is something bigger than that, man. This is bigger than that. We're here to help. We're here to save. We're here to get you out of what you're in. And God knows how to use us to get it done. Amen. So as you and I are born again. You can close your Bibles as we're born again. The born again experience in and of itself is good, but we need more. There's another experience after we're born again called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come on, tell someone on either side of you, you got to be filled with the spirit.